Hello and welcome to the final episode of Popular Poetry with Professor J. Boy, do I have a good episode planned for today. But first, I want to read some of the amazing comments you sent to my personal Yahoo in acknowledgement of my final episode. Ezra Johnson wrote, quote, I've learned so much. It's crazy how much Latin poetry has influenced modern day society in our various customs and overall culture. This series is definitely a 10 out of 10. Sam Massick wrote, quote, Man, I can't wait to do these podcasts next year, and I've really been inspired by you, Professor. And finally, Lena Gokhale wrote, quote, Even though when recording you've been loud, like really loud, your series has been quite interesting. Nice job, brother. Thank you to those people, and quite frankly, everyone who supported these podcasts. Now for my final episode, I want to discuss the interesting story of Figmalion and then talk about how gods or divine powers have certain influence within our lives. I'm going to prove that with one of my interesting experiences. So, let's dig into some Pygmalion. The story starts out with, quote, Quasquia Pygmalion Iwum Percrimen Agentis Widerat, Offensus Widis, Quae Plurima Menti Femenia Netura Dedit, or, because Pygmalion had seen these women committing crimes through time, and having been offended by their faults, which nature gave to the minds of women, he, quote, sine conuge caelibs vivebat, thalamique diu consorte carebat, or, was living unmarried without a spouse, and was lacking from a partner in his special bed. I believe this is pretty sexist, as Pygmalion is saying because women are inherently flawed, he has no spouse. But anyways, while he's thinking about this, he's sculpting a statue from ivory. Pygmalion's a master sculptor, and as he's shaping the ivory, he's actually creating a woman. After he's done creating the young woman statue, it looks as if it's a real person, and thus Pygmalion treats it like a real person. Pygmalion does a lot of weird things to the statue, such as kissing it, giving it such gifts as flowers, small birds, pebbles, necklaces, and even other pieces of jewelry, and perhaps the weirdest thing he does is he puts the statue in his bed and sleeps next to it. The next day, Pygmalion goes to a celebration for the god Venus and says to the gods, quote, Si di dare cuncta potestis, sit conuinx, opto non ausus abernaia vergo, dicere, Pygmalion simulis mea dixit abernai. Or, O oh gods, if you are able to give everything, I choose a wife. He did not say, quote, I want my ivory young woman. Rather, he said, quote, I want something similar to the ivory. Essentially, Pygmalion is wishing for the ivory statue of the woman to come to life. Shockingly, Venus felt his prayer and sent an omen to Pygmalion, which was, quote, Flama ter atensa, or a fire flickered up three times. So when Pygmalion got home, he immediately checked the statue to see if it turned into a young woman, and it did. The statue started to turn warm, and it was beginning to have the outside consistency of human flesh, and it actually had a heartbeat. Pygmalion initially doubted if the girl was actually real, but he realized it was and graciously thanked Venus. Eventually, within about a, ti- a year's time period, Pygmalion married the statue, had a child with the statue, and lived happily ever after. So the only reason Pygmalion got his wish was because of the divine influence of Venus, or at least that's what I believe Ovid is trying to convey. 
Venus made Pygmalion's wish happen for a reason, and I think this concept has given rise to the phrase, quote, everything happens for a reason, or the divine powers and spiritual figures above make stuff happen in our lives for a particular reason. Is this true? Well, I think it's true in my life. I've always loved playing sports, but seventh grade was when things got taken to the next level. At that point, rather than automatically making sports teams, you had to try out and be amongst the top people in your grade with that sport. Entering seventh grade, I did play football where everyone made the team, but I was more passionate about basketball and tennis, two tryout teams. So, I first tried out for the basketball team in the winter, and I was confident I did well. On the last day of tryouts, however, Mr. Davis pulled me into the coach's locker room and told me I did not make the team. I was sad, but knew I needed to do well for tennis. Tryouts came in the spring, and despite only losing 5 out of the 10 matches I played, I was cut. 8th grade came around, and I was done with basketball. It was too much work, and there were too many good kids in my grade. So again, I went out for the tennis team, but again... I was cut. I was devastated that I wasn't good enough to play two of my top sports, but I realized one sport had always been there for me, football. Football always included me, and some of my greatest friendships were formed with my football teammates. So entering freshman year, I exclusively worked on my football skills and getting good, and by my sophomore year, the work paid off. I varsity lettered. So now, Whenever I pass by the tennis or basketball coaches, I flash my varsity jacket, but that's besides the point. If I wouldn't have been cut from the tennis or basketball teams, I never would have been driven to improve my football skills. I never would have found the sport I am most passionate about today, and I don't know. I think that has something to do with some divine influence. And ultimately, in that case, me getting cut by the middle school tennis and basketball teams was for a reason. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have. It's been an absolute pleasure being your professor and helping you to enrich yourself in the Latin classics. Keep learning, keep loving, and keep being inspired. Bye-bye now.